Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. He's good, isn't he? I believe something prophetic here in this place is for you. I believe God has a word for you today. And so I want you to set your hearts to be expectant for what God's going to do in this place, what he's going to do in your hearts. I'm going to be sharing a message with you that changed my life. It changed my life. It was a revelation of his grace. And I want to share with you Hebrews chapter 4. Just remain standing here. We're going to, we're going to flip things up just a little bit. We're going to go to Hebrews 4. And it says this. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. Possess. Hold firmly to it. Don't deviate. Don't get distracted. Don't disqualify yourself. Hold firmly to it. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is a powerful verse because it helps us understand the proclivities that we have to turn away from God. And it can keep us grounded I tell you, whether you've been following Jesus for 20 years or you've been following him for 20 seconds, you're still in need of his grace. And I want to be able to give us tools today. And I want to continue this moment. This isn't a breaking up of moment. This is a continuing of moment to let the word minister to you so that we can minister to him today. I want to talk about this idea of shame. And the thing that keeps us from getting into the things in the current of the Lord many times is shame. Whether it's from something that we've done, something that we believe that we are, there's an unworthiness that we tend to have where we feel like we cannot approach the Lord. And I want to be able to confront those lies head on today that as a child of God, you can approach His throne with boldness, approaching him, knowing that his grace has covered you today. And I want to be able to talk about just two stories today. One is going to be from the Bible in Luke chapter 22, and one's going to be a story of my own. And before we go into that today, I believe that this word is going to transform your life. And I believe that I'm not just speaking a sermon today, but I'm actually declaring to you today where God wants you to stand. And this is where the Lord wants you to stand today. I want you to put it up on the screen right now. The title of today's message, your faith will not fail. And this is for you to know, not for someone to say, for you to know and for you to believe. I'm here to tell you today that your faith Your faith will not fail. It won't. 
And if you feel like it is, I'm here, take some faith from me today. Your faith will not fail. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through today, I want you to see the end in mind and to know the bottom of your heart today that your faith will not fail. Let's pray today. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would open our ears to hear you today. Open our eyes to see you. God, that we would declare your wonders before a world that needs you. That we'd praise you and we'd honor you in everything that we do. God, we're hungry for you today. Won't you speak to us? Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray that any lies that we've had from the the devil, that they would hit a wall today. They would no longer run around in our minds and in our souls. But we speak in Jesus' mighty name that today is going to be a day where the captive is set free. So we thank you, Father God, for being here with us today. Just right now, church, if you're hungry for the Lord to speak to you today, this isn't just a formality. This is a declaration. This is a request before the Lord today. Say these words after me with hands open wide. Say these words. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Would you all put your hands together for Jesus this morning? Amen. Would you all put your hands together also for this amazing worship team as well? Thank you guys for leading us in worship. They'll be back up here. They'll be leading us in a a closing song as well. And I said I'm going to be sharing two stories with you today out of Luke chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 22. I want to tell of a man by the name of Peter. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. Peter followed Jesus closely. He was one of the main three that stuck closer to him. And on the night when Jesus was betrayed, Peter was actually a man who took out a sword to try to set Jesus free from his captors. He took it out, and the Bible says that he cut a man's ear off. I don't know about you, but if you're going to go cut a man's ear off and it not hit their shoulder, that means that you're trying to cut their head off, and they tilted their head. This dude was aggressive. This is the life of Peter, and I want to share just a pivotal time in his life where shame overwhelmed him. And we pick up in Luke chapter 22, verse 54, right after Jesus was seized uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, We pick up in verse 54. It says, Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. I want you to take note of that. Peter followed at a distance. Many times in our lives, we can choose to follow Jesus closely or follow him at a distance. I don't know what it caused Peter to follow him as a distance. Maybe he was worried that he might be taken along with Jesus. Maybe he was just curious. But I can tell you, regardless of of where he was, we all got to make the choice today to either follow Jesus at a distance or follow him close. Because you can sing a lot of songs and still be distant in heart. You can be in church every single week and still be distant in heart. You can read your Bible every single day and still be distant in heart. You can confess with your lips and your heart still be far from him. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and had sat down together. Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, 
I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Luke gives us a pretty G-rated scripture. Another gospel says that Peter cursed. Means that he used some kind of four-letter word describing that he wasn't with Jesus. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. The rooster crowed and it reminded him what he had done. It reminded him where he fell short, where he had failed. And because it reminded him, he wept bitterly. He remembered that part where the Lord spoke that he would deny him three times before the rooster crows. And what I find about this idea of shame is the devil is a master at convincing us that what we did is who we are. And he will learn to find the things that we highlight occasionally and make them the story of our lives. See, Peter was reminded about what he did. The Bible says that he wept bitterly. Shame. Shame. The devil will use shame to say this is who you are. He will say that you did not only fail, but you are a failure. This is what the devil does. This he goes and he says, you are a failure. Well, Revelations 12 gives us a highlight into this, this, this approach that the devil has. It's Revelations 12 verse 10. This is John the apostle. He's describing something that will happen in the end of days. He says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. The accuser. This is what is referred to as Satan. Satan is referred to as the accuser. See, I thought the devil's main goal or main approach, main way of distracting us from the things of our lives with temptation. But actually, the Bible says we are tempted when we're led away by our own desires. It's not temptation, my friend. It's accusation. And so the devil comes to accuse you. He comes to accuse you. To convince you not only just to do something, but once you do it, to convince you that you are it. Are it. The Bible says that they, meaning the church, the people of God, triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So here we have the Bible laying out the accuser and how the people of God overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. See, Jesus said, before I leave, I will send another. We find in John chapter 14, verse 26, first we have the accuser. But John describes the Holy Spirit that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said that he would send who? The advocate, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. How many of y'all thankful that we have an advocate in heaven? Let me see your hands this morning. I am thankful that we have an advocate. This advocate goes by the word of parakletos. I said that. I butchered that so bad. <laughs> parakletos. This is, a, this is a Greek word for advocate. For someone who will stand in between you. Who pleads another cause before a judge. A pleader, a counselor, a defender. A legal assistant. An advocate. So we have on one end of the aisle, the accuser. But on the other one, standing in between you and the judge, the advocate. The Holy Spirit, the accuser, and the advocate, the defender to remind you of everything that you've done. And the advocate to remind you of everything that he said to you. He's your defender. Everything that God has said to you, everything that God has said about you. And the reason why I believe this message is so impactful is because all of us, no matter how close we feel like we are to God or how far we feel like we are from him, are all subject to the devil's accusations. And he's a master at finding the small issues of our lives and turning them into things that are much bigger. And it's not long before those issues become our identity. Now, I'm a, a window guy. I want to share a little story of my life where this idea of the accuser came and was so prevalent in my life. And... Uh, so I've been installing windows for a living for like 12 years. I installed windows. My dad started me when I was eight. <clears throat> my dad was my boss. This is a, this is a window cleaning bucket. And uh, this is a, uh, like a squeegee. And I don't know what you'd call that. I'm a window guy, but I don't know what you'd call that. I don't clean windows. I install them. And there was a time in my life when I was, we just had three kids. And how many know parents in here, two's easy because you can play man. But once you hit three, you hit zone. And then it's a whole nother ball game. And so we were trying to figure out what it was like to play zone. And Nora was just born. She was maybe five, six months old. And um, since I install windows for a living, I have a lot of windows at my house, which I don't recommend it because then you have a lot of windows you have to clean. And so this one day I just decided I'm going to clean my windows. And I have a a deck and I have like, I put a bunch of glass for my deck just because I wanted to not be uh, any of obscured. I don't want my vision obscured <laughs> of, of like the, the scenery. I want to be able to see out without anything blocking it. And so I have these windows on my deck. The problem with windows that are um, below your waist is that if you have little kids, they get dirty fairly often. So I only cleaned my windows once. And this is the story of me cleaning my windows. <laughs> and uh, uh, Eva was maybe a little bit over two and a half, three years old. Winston was about a, a year and a half. Couldn't really talk much at all. And uh, I was out there cleaning them. And, and then uh, they get the idea and they see me cleaning these windows. Well, they came out and I had this bucket full of soap water. And they came out and, you know, it was the cutest thing. They were just wanting to help. And so 
I had this little rag. Winston grabbed the rag, and Eva grabbed the little uh, uh, mop or thing that would spread the soap over the window, and then I would come behind, and I would, I would kind of clean the window, and it was just this cute moment. And every single parent in this place, you know those cute moments. Those cute moments where you're like, man, I want to take this in for all that it is. I don't want this to pass me by. And so we got through cleaning all the the windows on the deck. It took maybe half an hour. And uh, I also brought an extension ladder home that day because I have some windows that are kind of higher up and I needed a big ladder to to see them. So the the windows are probably about where those lights are. I had to get a a ladder to kind of get up there to clean them. And what I did is I came down into the backyard and I placed this bucket in the grass. And the thing about cleaning windows is if you get anything on this squeegee, it will scratch the window. So you want to make sure that this window is pristine and clean. So you don't want to just always use dirty water. You want to have decently clean water as you go to clean these windows. And so I climb up this ladder, and I have, I have this one in my hand right here. And what I'm doing is I'm getting the water, uh, I'm getting the, the, the water all over the window. And my kids, I didn't really pay attention to what they were doing. And uh, as I was up, maybe above that LED wall right there, I was, I was standing, I was cleaning, and I was reaching as far as I could, you know, trying not to, to fall. And then I turned around, and guess who was two rungs of the ladder behind me? Eva. Eva was right behind me. And immediately something kicked into me, and I was saying, Eva, get down. Obviously, I was protective of her. I didn't want her to fall and get hurt. And as a pastor, I want to share just a vulnerable moment that I had when I was cleaning windows with my kids, something that happened that I'm not too proud of. And I believe that it's important for us as believers not to just always air our dirty laundry, but to know that we're all human, even the person with the mic. And I turn around and I see Eva. She's right behind me. But then I see Winston. He's not even a year and a half. And he has the squeegee. And he's squeegeeing the grass. Not only is he squeegeeing the grass, but he's picking up the grass and he's throwing it in there with the other hand. And it's cute. But I don't know what came over me. I was having a fun moment with the kids. And some kind of frustration and anger just overshadowed me. And immediately, at the top of my lungs, I yelled at a a one-and-a-half-year-old, What are you doing? Just with the most angered-filled voice in my heart. And you know, a little kid, whenever that happens, they just stop. And their perspective melts into your brain. Their, their countenance melts into your brain. I got down from the ladder. and Not only did I yell at him, but I came over to him. And I grabbed the squeegee out of his hand, not lightly, aggressively. I said, don't you ever do that. I said, go back up to your mom. I sent them both up. And in my head, I'm thinking, like, why is Kelly leaving me out here with these kids? So now it's her fault for me losing my temper. And Kelly, she was inside. She heard me yell. 
thinking something happened. No, it's just me. It was me. I had no reason to get mad. I sent them back up to the kids, or up to the deck. Kelly grabbed them. She went inside. And then it was just me. Me and my thoughts. And I got up back onto the ladder, and I finished cleaning the window. And what I found was at that moment when those things happened, because we all have some kind of moments like that in our lives, we have the choice either to go to God in prayer, which is that's what I should have done, but I didn't want to do. Because how many of you know that the thing that we always feel like we should do isn't always the thing that we want to do? What I wanted to do was just throw on some Linkin Park, some really aggressive music in my headphones, and just kind of zone out. But I can't help but think what happened after I got down from cleaning that window, the accusations that were so loud in my head. You think you're a good dad? What kind of dad yells at their kids like that? You're going to screw up your kids. You're going to screw up your family. You're just like your dad. You're just like your grandpa. You're just like your mom. Now I'm showing you some of my voices in my head, but you have your own when things happen. And in frustration, I came down from the ladder. And what I did, I don't know if I could do it because I don't want to damage anything, but I, I kicked the bucket across the yard. I remember walking up the stairs. This was a time in our lives where we were really involved in church and we were uh, ministering before the people. I had just preached a few weeks earlier. Um, we were over at Thompson Alumni Center. I can't help but think the encounters that people had with God because I was holding a mic. And then I was thinking about, man, God had to be really happy with me then. But then the accuser came after that and says, and you call yourself a pastor. I said, well, I, I don't call myself a pastor, but uh, other people do. I, you know, you always try to find excuses, right? And this is some of my dirty water. But deep down, you know that you have your own. And see, what I found out is that I was no longer convinced that what I did was wrong. Yes, that was true. But I started to believe that was who I was. I'm just an angry person. See, there's a difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the accusation of the devil. See, the conviction will come and say, hey, what was that? That right there, I want to work on that. See, the accusation and the condemnation of the devil will come and say, that, that right there, that's who you really are. What's the point of even following Jesus? What's the point of even trying to change? That's the shame that oftentimes keeps us from Jesus. See, the accuser comes with condemnation and convinces you that you cannot change. But the advocate gives you conviction and shows you and gives you the grace and the power to change. Write this down. That is the same issue, but it's a different narrative. Whose narrative are you going to believe about your situation today? Whose narrative are you, are you going to believe? The shame of the devil or the grace of God? 
You have the advocate who's your defender, and you have the accuser who is a destroyer. The advocate's coming to defend you before the Lord and says, yeah, I know you did that, but I want to tell you today and remind you today that you are not that. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone and the new has come. See, Henry Cloud has this idea. He, this is what he's a psychologist in, in the Christian profession, but also professional. And he kind of gives this idea of these three P's of negativity. And he says that these are three P's of negativity, not just in a general sense, but also in regards to shame. He says this is what it's like. Is, is, is the three P's usually start out personal. Then they go to permanent. And then they are pervasive. Personal meaning that you are it. Permanent meaning that it will never change. Pervasive meaning that is in every single part of your life. So for an example, something that I would be going through is I would be hearing like, man, you are a bad dad. You are. You are. You're going to ruin your kids. They will never love you or respect you. It's permanent. In fact, you get angry at everyone. Is pervasive. It goes from permanent, personal, permanent, and pervasive. And I can't help but hear in the back of my head when I was sitting outside alone with my squeegee in my bucket, that sound. I didn't forget about Peter. See, that rooster crowing reminded Peter of what he did. How often in your life are you reminded of something that you, maybe you have screwed up or you failed in or you fell short in? What is on your mind about what you may have done? I'm sitting out there thinking, as I'm cleaning these windows, about to go inside, God, I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve it. And so I found that that moment I had a choice to make. I could either change my behavior because of my shame. And I wanted to just try to look right and look the part of being a good dad. Or I could embrace the fact that I'm still a work in progress. And I could go inside and I could talk to my wife and I could talk to my kids and I could apologize. And I could follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit. See, even though I did not deserve God's love, can I tell you that I was still worthy of his love? And there's times in your life where you may not feel that you deserve God's love, that you deserve his grace. But because you are made in the image of God and because you choose to follow Jesus, you are worthy of it. And even if you don't follow him, you are still worthy of it. But you have a choice to make, either to stay in the shame or to walk in the grace. So I'm tired of churches that go around and they try to shame people to change. Why do you do that? You need to stop doing that. And that's all true. But see, we're not going to be the type of church that approaches it from that perspective. Because all that encourages people to do is to, to, to mask the problems that we face on a daily basis. See, I would rather say, hey, that right there, I want you to speak to, I want to speak to something greater. That you're actually a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. That you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I know you did that, but I got good news for you, my friend. You're not that. 
That's what the grace of God is here for you today to do. See, grace says you're loved not because you deserve it, but that you're loved because you're worthy of it by Jesus. The Bible says he'll send an advocate that will remind you of what he has said. What he has said to you. And I can't help, but after I went into the house, I had the choice either to just throw on my Lincoln Park or by that time the kids were in bed and just about to go to sleep and Winston couldn't even talk. And uh, I just felt like I need to go and apologize. And so I went in, I, I said sorry to Winston and, and I said, I'm sorry, buddy. Daddy, Papa sometimes loses his temper. And I'm sure he received my love and my heart, but I can't help but share with you today what Eva said to me and what the Holy Spirit reminded me of. I went in and I said, Eva, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have gotten mad like that. Can you forgive me? And she turned to me and she says, I forgive you, Papa. And it was at that moment that I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you're still her Papa. And you're still my child. That idea of identity and that I'm still a child of God is important for you to understand when the Bible says that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That when Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, you're still his child, regardless of what you've done. And I'm thankful but you have a choice to make every single day to either to hide in the shame or come close to a father that still calls you his child. And so we need to take this, we need to know this today, that shame makes us hide, but conviction brings us close. And to be able to distinguish between the two, usually the one that's the harder rope is the right one. The one that you least feel like doing the most the one that means that you have to humble yourself and go and apologize and apologize to your spouse and apologize to your kids and to say, I'm still human. That's not an excuse that I did to do what I did. I work on that. This isn't something that I do often. This isn't something that I do every single night, but this is something that comes up every once in a while and I have to take ownership for what I've done, but I don't have to take identity of it. So I can't help think of Peter when he's denying himself before Jesus, denying Jesus before all these people, and the accusations that are coming before him. See, you have accusations that come before you each and every single day. And I want you to know today that just because you did that, doesn't mean that's who you are, nor who you are being or becoming. That God loved me just as much as when I was preaching before those people. The same amount as when I was yelling at my kids. And I want you to leave today knowing that. That if God loves you today, he'll love you tomorrow. If he loved you yesterday, he loves you today. 
so we can approach his throne with boldness because his grace has covered us. And I want you to see the approach that Jesus has towards Simon Peter. Simon was his name before Jesus changed it to Peter. Simon means shifty. Peter means rock. And you need to hear the narrative of what God says about you today. Not to hear the lies of the devil, but to hear what the advocate is saying. It says that he will remind you of everything that I have said and spoken to you. And you need to be reminded what God has spoken to you. And so before Peter denied Jesus, Jesus put something into his spirit that he knew would strengthen him in his time of need that maybe he didn't remember in the moment, but later on he'd, re he'd recall. And it's Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Jesus is saying to Simon Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. What's the title of my message? Your faith will not fail. And he says, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus was speaking to a problem that he was going to face eventually, but he also instilled in him the faith that would get him through it. And I'm here to tell you today that no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter what you've done, that your faith will not fail. It won't. It can't. Because God's on your side. So what are you waiting for? Your faith's not going to fail. So come back to the Father. Come back to him. Anytime you feel like you've fallen short, don't let that shame overwhelm you. Don't let that shame hold you down. No, come back to the Father. Because he's good at exchanging beauty for ashes. Shame into glory. He's good at that. Paul said it like this, I will boast all the more, not in my strengths, but in my weaknesses, because where my weaknesses are, that's where his power can rest on me. Not on your best days, but on your worst. That's why I can come up here and share this story. Because those are my worst days. But his power shines greatest in my weakness. Because where I am weak, there he is strong. And so I can find the hope and the strength in that. So would you stand to your feet? See, when it comes to following Jesus, the accuser comes with one thing, to remove you from him. But the advocate comes with another, to keep you close to him. And so we read again Hebrews 4.14, which was our opening verse today. Since therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, 
just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How many of y'all thankful for the grace of Jesus in this place? Amen. Was this message helpful for anyone today? You can take this thing home and you can realize it's not about what you've done. It's about what he did for you. So I close with this. We see Jesus predicted Peter's failure. But he promised him that even in his failure, that his faith would not fail. And I believe I'm here today to remind you that your faith will not fail. That's the solid rock you can build upon. Jesus Christ. That nothing can snatch you out of his hand. So even on your worst of days, your faith will not fail. That even though you fall, even though you fail, do not let your faith in God fail. So when you hear that, devil reminding you what you did and who you were, I need you to remind him what God says about you. And that you are a child of God. And that there's nothing better than him. There's nothing better than him. And so I want to go out with a song today with faith in our hearts today. To know that when that devil comes in to shame us, that we can come out of this house knowing that we have an advocate. Say this out loud. Say, I have an advocate. Say it with some conviction. I have an advocate. And I know that my faith will not fail. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Come on, would you put your hands together for the word of God this morning? Let's go out with the song of praise and worship this morning. Come on, Devin, won't you lead us today? Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.